0: Welcome to Light for the Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial United Methodist Church. Each week, we open the scriptures in faith that the timeless truth of God will guide us as we seek to follow in the steps of Jesus. The Holy Trinity consists of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Every Pentecost, we celebrate the day when the Holy Spirit first came down to the original Christians shortly after God the Son returned to God the Father. But what exactly is the Holy Spirit? And how do we interact with it today? These are the questions Pastor David Cartwright answers in this week's message from Pentecost Sunday. As we go to our message today, let's open our hearts and minds to the truth that God would speak to us.
1: Would you open your scripture to the book of Romans, chapter eight, You'll be reading there from Verse 22 through verse 27. New Testament, sixth book, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Okay. Romans chapter 8, the great eighth chapter. Hear now God's word. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Father, in these moments, abide with us. Help our hearts, our minds, our ears to be open and attentive to your voice. and Grant the power of your Holy Spirit that I would speak words of your truth, that they would be spoken in simplicity, with grace, so that you may accomplish in our midst your good and perfect will. For all good things that we receive, we give only to you the praise and the glory, in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. On this day of Pentecost, we visit a text about the Holy Spirit, and I would want to say before anything else that uh, preaching about the Holy Spirit feels quite a bit about like preaching on a topic like prayer. Uh, there's, the Bible says a lot about it. We can and should study and hear what the Scriptures reveal about the truth of it. But as it would be with prayer, the real power comes not in studying it, but in what? In doing it, right? That, that's where the power of prayer comes. And preaching about the Holy Spirit feels quite similar to that, that we can hear what the Scripture says about the Holy Spirit, but the real power is not learning about him, it is encountering him and, and receiving that gift from God afresh. And so I invite you this day to, to point yourself, because where we really want to go is for us to be able to honestly and with the, the, the utmost intention say to the Heavenly Father, please, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome in our midst. You are welcome in our hearts. Fill us and capture us. Paul talks here about the Holy Spirit, and we usually think on the day of Pentecost from the Acts chapter 2 passage, that great day in which the church was born, and we have images like tongues of fire resting on the heads of the apostles, a sound like a great rushing wind, uh, languages that are being spoken in a multitude from, from... men who would have been you know, seen as fairly simple guys so that the gospel is proclaimed. It's a beautiful image, but it's not the only Pentecost image because the Bible really speaks a lot about the Holy Spirit, describing Him as not only a source of power, but as an advocate, as a teacher, as a convictor. I don't think that's really a word, but I'm going to use it anyway. There are a number of things that the, that the scriptures say about the Holy Spirit and describing Him in a multitude of ways. Paul, here in Romans chapter 8, describes the Holy Spirit, if you will, as an anchor. He doesn't use that word, if you will, but but the, his conversation here in chapter 8 is, a, is, in a sense, a way of him saying that the Holy Spirit is that source that connects us in the present to a future that we don't see yet. And it is in that future that we have hope. And so it's like the Holy Spirit sets an anchor in that future and and, and extends a rope back to us so that we hold on to it now in the midst of our struggle. And how many of us would say that in one or multiple ways We struggle in the now, don't we? We have struggles, we have trials, we have difficulties, we have challenges. And of course we should. Trying to live as kingdom people in the midst of this world, we're going to. But Paul says that the Holy Spirit is that gift that sets the anchor in the future hope that God will establish. And indeed, God already has established. We recognize that the Holy Spirit is indeed a gift of God to us. I would invite you uh, sometime this afternoon. Here's your homework: go read the fourteenth chapter of John, John's Gospel, and just take note of how many times Jesus Himself talked to His disciples about the promise of the Holy Spirit who would come to them. He he talks. He talks over and over about anticipating that gift. If I go away, uh, the the Helper will come. The Father will send that Helper to be with you, and he will be in you. So there's that promise Jesus makes. Paul talks about it in in a a multitude of places in his epistles. 1 Corinthians 3.16. I've said to you before, there are a lot of great 3.16 passages in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you?" The gift of God, the gift of God's Spirit living within you is God's gift to you. And you think this morning about what that gift means. It is God's deposit, God's seal, god the presence of God to promise that he has now started something he is going to finish. In the Reason for God uh, Bible study that we just got done doing on Thursday mornings, Pastor Timothy Keller talked a little bit about this, and he didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit in this way, but he used something that was a very similar image. When he talked about the death and resurrection of Christ, he talked about it as God's first installment on His work of bringing all things to completion and making them right. And we believe that God is doing that, don't we? That God is leading us to a consummation, a fulfillment, a time when there is going to be judgment upon all, that He is going to reward those who have done well, those who are in Him, that He is going to make all the wrong right. No more crying, no more death, no more tears, no more pain. All, all sin, all unrighteousness, everything that is wrong is going to be uh, past history. All things will be made new. God is moving us in that direction. And in his time, he will fulfill it. The death and resurrection of Christ is like that first installment. It's like God saying, I am guaranteeing this work right now. So take my first installment and let that be the anchor for your hope. And in a similar way, Paul talks about that Holy Spirit being that, that installment, that seal that, that guarantees that God is leading us towards something better. And what Paul does here is he talks about two ways that that hope becomes real in us. Um, he, he really starts it all in verse 18, and we didn't read that far back. But Paul says that there, that I consider uh, the, the, the sufferings of this present time not worthy to compare to the glory that is going to be revealed in us. And sometimes I think we read that passage and, and we say, oh, come on, Paul, Like you're, you're just using your faith as some kind of sedative to numb the pain of, of our current reality. It's like Paul doesn't even want to recognize that, that, that the present is a struggle. But that's not true at all. Paul would be the first one to say, hey, man, there there is real struggle. There is real pain. There is real difficulty right now. He is not downplaying that at all. What he's really saying is that when you compare it to what God has in store for us in the future, there is no comparison. And if my hope is in the confidence that what God is going to do and where God is leading us, it helps me to stand in the presence. And so he says in these verses that we, that we read that, that he talks about the whole creation groaning and suffering like pains of childbirth together until now. And then not only, we, not only this, but we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly, for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. So Paul's looking ahead. We were groaning for that. Have you ever been in a, a, a building or some kind of structure or, or a ship on the ocean, something where you, if, you, if you listen quietly, you can hear it groan? You, you can hear the creaking, the groaning. Uh, the the uh, You understand what I mean, right? You know? If, is that ship on the sea and the movement of the water is putting pressure on it, and, and you hear that that groaning, you know, and it's just the ship kind of bending and and giving with the pressure that's on it. Man, when I when I was growing up, the house we were living in, the floor was like that. You'd walk across the living room floor, and there's certain places that you stepped, you heard, and see that's what happens when something gets under pressure, and that's kind of a a picture, if you will, of how Paul is thinking about our spiritual reality now. That this world in which we live is putting pressure on us. Because when you try to live as kingdom people in the midst of a non-kingdom world, that there's that pressure and there's that groaning, that, that anticipation of what God is still going to do. And then Paul says, and depending on the translation that you're using in the Bible, in verse 25, he says, "In hope for what we do not see, we wait." Uh, Does your does your translation say patiently for it? Anybody have patiently? You you wait with patience. Do you really? (laughs) Okay. Now, let's just be honest. How many of you are great with patience? (laughs) Kelly, is that true? Uh, I suspect. In almost 59 years of life, I bet I could count on one hand the number of times people have expressed to me that Patience is one of their greater virtues. Mostly you hear, well, I know the Bible talks about patience, but I'm not really good at it. The, what, what Paul is describing here, uh, in, in my translation it says perseverance. Both words are actually good words to use. But you understand that in, in the language of the New Testament, the word that is used there is hupomones, And it's really just a combination of of words put together that stems from, it's built on the Greek word meno, which means to abide. Have you ever heard that in Scripture before, the the, the word abide? Who, Who is it that talked about abiding? Jesus, right? John chapter 15, when he said over and over again to his disciples, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. When you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Abide. It simply means to stay in one spot. To remain. Hupomenes simply means to remain under. Remain under what? Remain under the pressure. Remain under the stress. Remain under the influence that would move you off of your spiritual center. It it describes a person whose, whose faith is so strong that no matter what the world is trying to do, no matter what the influences around are, that person is staying anchored on the solid ground of the kingdom." And that's what Paul is talking about when he says, in hope we persevere, we wait patiently, we wait with an anchor in place. Because we stand, and this is an important part of it, because we stand on kingdom ground. You see, we have no anchor if we don't stand on kingdom ground. It it hinges on that. And this is exactly what Paul is talking about. We, We can find all other ground to stand on, but if we're not standing on kingdom ground, there's no anchor for us. Paul is saying, I'm standing on the kingdom That has already been established, it just hasn't been fully revealed yet. I'm standing on that ground, and so I can stand strong here and now. And we get that from abiding in the Spirit of God. Paul also talks in verses 26 and 27 about our prayer life. And this is the way he describes it. He says, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness... For we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I think sometimes when we read that passage, the the picture that we have in mind is that the Heavenly Father is sitting in heaven and his children are praying to him. And what he hears sounds something like Charlie Brown's teacher. You remember what Charlie Brown's teacher sounded like? Right. Wah, 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 wah. And, so, and so the Father says, What? I, I can't understand what they're saying. And the Holy Spirit says, Here's what they're saying. And it interprets it to the Father. Now, I'm not telling you that that's... A wrong way to look at it, but I would say to you that it's a very inadequate way to look at it. Because what Paul is talking about is an intercessor. He's talking about the reality that the Holy Spirit becomes a communication link to a pure and holy Creator and a broken, fallible, sinful humanity. And if you want to wonder how you can put those two parties together, it truly is a divine work. Get those two communicating together and it is a divine work. Paul says, we don't often know how to pray as we should. We think we do. We try it all the time. And we pray and we pour out our heart to God and we should. But we also have to remember that prayer is that dynamic that links us to the will of God. It's what Paul says in verse 27 that he, meaning God, who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, that is, the intercessor, because he, meaning the Holy Spirit, intercedes. He stands in between the children of God, in my translation, the saints, and does so according to what? You have your Bible open. What? According to the will of God. Don't lose that. It is the Holy Spirit keeping us in touch with God that puts us in sync with God's will. And if our prayer life is not a life that keeps us open and attentive and listening for God's will, we're not really praying in the Spirit. Because that's what the Spirit does. You see, friends, Pentecost is good news and it's bad news. Which would you rather hear first? I'm going to tell you the good news first. The good news is that God in heaven is seeking to enact His will in your life. Does that sound like good news? Oh, come on, really? The Father in heaven is seeking to enact His will in your life. But here's the bad news. The Father in heaven is seeking to enact His will in your life. Which means what? Which means that if we truly are willing to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. There is a surrender required on our part. And Paul has already said in the earlier parts of chapter 8 that we can't live pleasing to God if we're not walking according to the Spirit. It's an ongoing choice that we have. And I want to invite you today To pray. Can you pray honestly? Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me. Holy Spirit, I want you to use me. Holy Spirit, I want to be obedient to you. Spirit of God, You are welcome in my life. Pray with me. Gracious Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who came in power on the day of Pentecost so long ago to fill your apostles with your holy power. And you gave birth to your church. And ever since then, Lord, you have been seeking for your people to choose afresh, To surrender their lives to you. And you give us that choice today. So I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would really speak a word of conviction to us. We need your power to open our hearts, to make us willing to surrender to you. Father, it is my desire and the desire of so many that your Holy Spirit move among us. Spirit of God, please fill us, use us for your glory now and always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: We're glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's Word. You can catch our worship services online at www. Dot R-M-U-M-C dot net. May the Lord grant you the light of his truth as you journey through this day.